all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. on MCV Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. We're going to be taking your calls during the hour concerning any kind of health issues or topics that you need answered. The number to call today is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can always send us an email. You can send those to remedy at mpbonline.org. Uh, you can go to our website, too, at mpdonline.org and look at uh, previous programs. We do archive those within about uh, a day or so after they air. So if you didn't quite catch everything that we said and maybe came in on the back half of a conversation, you might want to go to the website and check that out. And you can also uh, download our podcast and there are instructions to do that on mpdonline.org. Uh, um, Hope everybody's having a great week. Lots of heat out there and uh, heat-related illnesses. Want everybody to be safe, particularly since we have uh, limited access to health care, particularly hospitalized health care, with our uh, increase in COVID-19 cases. Every hospital in the state is feeling this. We've actually got lots of help coming in from other organizations and other individuals uh, to help staff. Uh, those um, uh, beds that are either normal hospital beds, ER, uh, triaging um, people to to get them the treatment that they need, and then also supplies coming in. But we're still stretched pretty thin. So everybody be safe out there, even if you're not going to get coronavirus um, at this point. um, You still want to take care of yourself so that you don't uh, have to slow down in those other things like heat stroke and If you're going to be outside, try to do it at the bookends of the day, early in the morning or later in the afternoon, and make sure that you have plenty of hydration. Prehydrating beforehand is important, and then also thinking about if there's any kind of medications that you take that put you at risk for dehydration, particularly if you have things like hypertension or heart failure or kidney disease. You want to be extra careful in those situations because it does not take very much. I know I tried to get out a little bit this weekend. Uh, later in the day, and I lasted about 15 or 20 minutes, and I was like, this is not going well for my weeding exercises. So uh, just be safe out there as you uh, as you go uh, throughout your day-to-day things. Uh, cases, I think everybody's been looking at those. If you're not uh, familiar with that, you know, like yesterday, we still are running anywhere from three to 4,000 cases for a seven-day average in the state of Mississippi and unfortunately, that's uh, leading to uh, an increase in more deaths. So we're still in the double digits for deaths uh, that are from coronavirus. And I already mentioned all of the difficulties with uh, treating patients in the hospital. So 
please, if you haven't, consider getting your vaccine for the first time or if you qualify and you can find that out by calling your healthcare provider or checking out the Mississippi State Department of Health website for a booster vaccine. And it's really booster. I know we've used that term here before, but it's really what we're finding out is this is a series. So certain vaccines have a series and this is just the third dose in that series, particularly for Moderna and for Pfizer. Uh, Johnson Johnson is still gaining uh, some information and data on possible boosters uh, for that one. Right now, if you had Johnson Johnson for your first vaccine, it's recommended that you get either a Pfizer or um, or Moderna messenger RNA for your second uh, uh, in that series, just because of the limited data that we have with Johnson Johnson right now. But please stay safe. Um, Delta variant is still out there. The fastest increasing group of individuals are right in that age 5 to 17. Keep in mind that if you're 12 and up, you can get uh, vaccinated and that uh, the FDA is now approved. Pfizer probably will approve Moderna uh, pretty soon after that, um, but that was uh, announced uh, this week, actually, Monday. So it has full approval, which means it's been vetted by the FDA in the same way that they vet all new vaccines for safety data and efficacy data, which just means how well they work. This is uh, Southern Remedy, Dr. Jimmy Weezy this morning. The number to call if you have any kind of questions about your health care is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Dr. Jimmy, we do have a caller on the line. So first up this morning, it's Bobby from Pontotoc. Good morning, Bobby. Thank you for calling this morning. What's your question? Oh, uh, I've had high blood pressure for 10 years, and uh, I'm uh, trying to figure out, uh, I forgot, uh, I can't take high blood pressure medicine because it makes, I'm allergic to it, it makes my stomach swell up and I have trouble breathing, but what I un- can't understand is my blood pressure runs around 190 over 100, and I've never died yet, everybody keeps telling me I'm going to die. And I've had it for 10 years. What the heck's going on? Yeah, that's a great question there, Bobby. Uh, So hypertension, you know, has a risk involved with it. I think probably I should back up and start talking about how it's measured. There are some individuals that the measurements that you get, you want to make sure that it's accurate, number one. So when I have somebody come into my office and they have an elevated blood pressure, even if it's as high as yours, I'll repeat that. And usually the best way to do that is with an automated cuff, an automatic cuff. In a quiet room, things have to be done a certain way. Um, We have one that takes three blood pressures that are one minute apart and then takes the average of that, those three. And that's the most accurate way to see what the blood pressure is. It also helps to see what the blood pressure is out of the office. Because there there are some individuals that when they go to the doctor, their blood pressure goes through the roof. But yeah, I had, about- I had I had that to happen to me over on, under a, a Reynolds uh, eye clinic. I went over to get an operation on my eye, and they wouldn't operate on me because my eye blood my blood pressure was too high. But it wasn't high when I went in there. It didn't get high till I got in there, and then it went up. Right, right. And but if if you if you have not just one or not just a few, but if the, if most or all of your blood pressures are uh, 
And again, our definition for high blood pressure is over 130 on the top number, over 70 on the bottom. It sounds like you're, you're I'm sorry, 80 on the bottom. You're well over that. Yeah, I'm well um, above that. But that, that would put you at risk for having a heart attack or a stroke or chronic kidney damage. Now, now that's, a part I don't, that's a part I don't understand. I've had high blood pressure for uh, 10 years, and I've never had Everybody keeps telling me that, but I've never had none of that. Right, and we see that sometimes. There are some individuals that you may not see it yet, but we know the longer it goes on, one of the reasons why they call it a silent killer is you may not have the lab results or an EKG result that shows that, but there is some damage being done over time. Now, I did want to I did want to speak to to your comment about blood pressure medications. You know, thankfully, you know, even even from 10 years ago, we have a lot of different blood pressure medications. So if one or two or even three you had problems with, there's a lot out there that that could help control the blood pressure. The other thing is they may need to look a little bit um, closer to see if you have any secondary causes of hypertension. About 90% of adults who have hypertension, that's what we call primary hypertension, which means usually it's related to what we eat over time and our lack of inactivity, maybe some excess weight or your genetics, you know, if you've got a lot of high blood pressure in your family. But the other 10% can be other things, and those can be things related to the blood flow to your kidneys. It could be the hormones, not the male-female hormones, but hormones that control blood pressure and uh, salt and potassium levels in your body. So there's a, a host of things that your, your physician needs to look at, maybe take a step back and say, you know, let's look at those things because it does change a little bit how you treat that. And then there's other things uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think about, like sleep apnea. That's a very common cause of secondary hypertension, and sometimes if you treat sleep apnea, the blood pressure goes down. So I'd have I'd pull your physician back around and say, hey, Doc, look, can we can we relook at this? Can we make sure I do have high blood pressure? Well, Maybe can the asthma can... make your blood pressure go up? Yeah, it sure can. Yeah. I've so anything. All my life. Yeah, and again, that, that's a good point. There's so many other things that can affect your blood pressure. You want to make sure you're treating those as well. Untreated asthma or inappropriately treated asthma can make it go up. Diabetes that's not treated, um, you know, to uh, to goal, that can make it go up. So there are maybe some other things that play into that. But I'd, I'd circle back with your doctor and say, hey, doc, let's take a look at this again and see what we're dealing with. And then maybe, you know, there there are probably, I bet, a couple other different types of medications that treat high blood pressure that might get it down and not cause you those side effects. Well, my mama lived to be 105 years old. I hope I make it to that. All right, I thank you for the information. Yes, sir. Thank you for calling. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy Podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Weeze this morning. The number to call if you have a question is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You know, with all the heat and people out in the sun, uh, we need reminders every once in a while. There's so many different things that can be related to your health. And thankfully, the American Cancer Society has reminded us that this is a, a month, a time of the year when they sort of Focus in on the health care uh, or the health of your skin. And, you know, the skin is the largest organ in the body, uh, body surface-wise. It's, um, it has a lot of things that it does. It protects us against the environment. Um, it helps us to regulate our temperature through sweating. Uh, just a lot of different functions of it. keeps everything in place, uh, at least superficially. And it helps if there are um, penetrations into the skin through trauma to help seal that up in an appropriate manner. But there, it also has a lot of damage that occurs uh, over a lifetime, and there's a cumulative effect. And one of the biggest things that can affect your skin is UV radiation, ultraviolet radiation from the sun. So the more you're exposed to that, particularly for individuals who have lighter skin, and again, we talked about genetics as it relates to hypertension also, it can certainly relate to your skin health too. So it's important to um, to regularly check your skin. If you need some instructions on that, you can go to the American Cancer Society, and they have some great information about uh, how can you check your skin and some ways to do that to not miss any areas. And uh, also some things to look for, like new growths or spots or lumps or bumps on the skin that come up, a sore that bleeds or doesn't heal. Maybe you have a rough spot or a dry area on your skin which might crust or bleed. These are all things that need to be looked at by a physician, and that can be a dermatologist or it can be a primary care physician who has some experience in looking at those and knows when to, to send you to a, a dermatologist. Also, you can, uh, you know, I, a lot of times uh, we'll have the ability now for patients to take a picture of that. It helps if you'll circle the area that you're interested in, and maybe even have either a ruler or something that you can compare the size of it, like a dime or a penny. I know it's uh, far and few between these days with um, with uh, coins, uh, but there's, I have some laying around. Uh, that, that would be something that would be useful just to see the size of it. Uh, take a picture of that, send it to your physician, and uh, that'll give them a little bit more information to know how best to deal with it, whether that's something to send directly to a dermatologist or to bring you in and have them look at it themselves. So take care of your skin. Certainly if you're outside, wear sunblock. That's the best way to, um, to protect yourself against those harmful UV rays. Uh, or even better than that, you know, stay out of them at the heat of the day, in the middle of the day. We mentioned that from a heat standpoint, but also – that's the highest UV radiation times. And then also wearing loose clothing that uh, can protect yourself, too, and a hat, of course. So 
keep that in mind if you're out there, particularly if you have some, some damaged areas of your skin, make sure that you're looking at them or perhaps somebody in your household looking at them for you and that you're getting regular checkups for that. Dr. Jimmy, we have got a trio of callers holding, uh, and we're going right. to start again with Bill, who's on the road today. All right. Good morning, Bill. Thanks for calling. What's your question this morning? Hey, Dr. Jimmy. I've been suffering, a, and I use the word suffer, uh, two and a half years. A chronic cough is a monster, and I've been to seven doctors. I have about 11 different medicines, and some of the medicines are giving me a you know, say side effect for coughing. But I'm just wondering, where does the person go when they've used their PCP, the ENT, the allergy doctor, been to the cardiologist, uh, you name it, I've been. Where should I go, Nick? I, I just don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a tough situation. You know, cough can be certain, uh, many different things, and just the number of doctors that you've seen tells me they've been thinking about every little thing that might be causing that. And if it's a chronic cough for two years, usually that can be either something else that's affecting that system in your body or it's something that's irritating that area, either in your lungs or any, really anywhere from your nasal passages all the way down into your lungs. Uh, it can be incredibly tricky to tease that out. I had a patient uh, that contacted me uh, last week about a chronic cough, not quite that long, but that the they've been having it. We're sort of working through that. Now, unfortunately, it sounds like you've gone to all the people that I would normally, you know, try to figure it out myself. And if I couldn't do that, ENT, allergy, certainly if I had heart failure or heart-related issues in mind that might cause that. Uh, if you haven't been to a, a pulmonary doctor, that may be somebody else, particularly if, if they sort of They've ruled out all the things in the upper airways that might be causing it. Might have a, a problem in the lower airways. So a pulmonary doctor, or a, you know, sometimes it's pulmonary critical care. They yeah, I went to one of those two weeks ago. They said I oh, I, I got asthma. I, they, he oh. called it asthma and gave me a different yeah. type breather. But um, well, I, I call it breather, you know, inhaler or whatever it is, and uh, uh, Spareva. But that's not stopping. But it's only been about two weeks. One other question: Should I? Is there a thing called a doctor called an internalist, and, and maybe go that way? Internal uh, medicine. Sometimes they're called internist, but um, basically that's an internal medicine doctor. So that's a physician that spent three years of training uh, to learn how to take care of adults. So basically, eighteen or sixteen, really, and up, um, okay. and they're sort of the, the gatekeeper for all the other specialists. Let me go back to that asthma because that certainly could be a cause of it in the lower airways, and it does take some time. So if that's your diagnosis that's going to stick, it may take some time, and it may take something other than the Spareva to get you to the point where you're not coughing like that. So I, I would still be open to that um, uh, and go with that for right now. But you're seeing all the specials. Unfortunately, I can't think of anybody else that, that might help you. The internist, uh, that you know, that's just going to be your your adult primary care doctor to help sort of. Okay. Uh, well, but thank if you. somebody who's if it's somebody who's been in practice for thirty, forty, maybe even fifty years, there's a lot of wisdom there too. So that's not that's not to say they can't help you. Well, thank you very much for your time. All right. Good luck to you there on that. Uh, on finding a diagnosis. 
Busy day on the phone lines, uh, Dr. Jimmy. We've got uh, still three holding. Let's get to at least one more before our next break, and it is Johnny, who's called in from Natchez. All right, Johnny, good morning. Thank you for calling. Yes, how you doing? Uh, good. I just got one question. I was diagnosed with Walter Strong macroglobulinema, and I've been trying to research and find anybody in the country that got it to give me some advice on what to expect. I was diagnosed in February of, of 2021. Give me help me out. Yeah, so uh, this is this has to do with uh, your your globulin system. So there's a lot of uh, globulins, and usually a a heme doctor, a hematologist slash oncologist, is the person, particularly the hematologist that you would see. Honestly, it's it's really complex. It's not all that common, and that would be the person that I would go to. Have you seen a hematologist for that yet? Yes, I've been seeing an oncologist, but uh, what yep, I'm trying yep. to find is a support group with anybody that ever had it to give me some insight on what to expect. Yeah, there is a couple of uh, websites I know that um, that there may be some, but it's, it's not, I don't think you're going to find a group of people that you can go to and, you know, even in the state anywhere. I don't, I'm not aware of one. And usually this is sort of what you see with, um, with rarer things. Now there may be some things online. Here's where I would, I would check. I would check if you haven't already cancer.org on the internet. So the word cancer.org and search for Waldenstrom macroglobulinemia. And then Mayo Clinic has a lot of good, uh, they have a lot of good uh, information about different diseases and some links sometimes to things like you're asking about. So it's just Mayo Clinic, all one word, dot org, and then search for Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Jimmy, I think we can get another call in before the break, and it is another Johnny. This one is calling in from Picayune. All right, Johnny, thank you for calling this morning. What's your question? Hello, Johnny. Are you there? Hello. Yes, yes, I'm here. Go Hello? ahead, Johnny. This is this is Dr. Jimmy. Go ahead. Thank you. Okay, I have to find out about the booster shot. How can I get it? Hello. Yeah. So, um, well, the first thing is, I'm assuming that you got at least uh, you completed the first vaccine series on whichever one you got. And there has to yeah. be a certain time period with those. Um, but as far as a, a booster vaccine, there are a couple of different ways you can do it. You can call your your doctor because a lot of clinics or hospitals locally are uh, making the booster available. That's probably one of the easier ways. And then the other way <clears throat> would be to go to the Mississippi Department of State Department of Health website. And they can um, they can help you. Uh, they have some. If you look for for booster vaccines that are there for coronavirus, they can uh, yeah. they can show you you know different ways to get that. And their website is msdh.ms.gov. Gov. And but I would and, and I would check with your doctor. Yeah. Yes, I, w- I would check with my doctor first, and then um, yeah, because I, I don't have a computer where I'm at right now. Yes. Yeah. I would, um, yeah, I definitely would. 
I would call your I would call your doctor, and then um, okay. they're probably going to be the best bet to get you there. I'm trying to look up the number right here to yeah. um, for the State Department of Health. Okay, here's um, one number you could call is one eight hundred two three one eight hundred two three two three two two three two zero two three three. Zero two three three. Yes, sir. One eight hundred two three two zero two three three. Correct. And they but call your doctor. Okay. Call your doctor first locally because well, they may they may have that information uh, for you. Yeah, it, it's kind of hard. For these doctors that I have over here, he he usually he's he's off most of the week, so it's hard for me to get in touch with him right now. That's why I was worried. But uh, gotcha. I like to see if I get in a bull shot. Yeah. And yeah. the other the other place is the state department of like your local health department, the closest health department. You can call their offices, and sometimes they can give you that information too. Can, can you you have the number over there too, please? I I, I don't have that, but if you okay. if you uh, if you call that one eight hundred number, I think they're going to be able to help you to nail it down about oh. where you can get that. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your calls and questions that you might have about your health care. Previous caller asked about how do you find out about the vaccines, for like particularly the booster, where you can get that. One thing I neglected to, to say is your pharmacy. So check with your pharmacy, too, where you get your other medications or whatever, whichever one is nearest to you. A lot of times they can help with that process, too. A lot of them are, are uh, providing that. So that's just another resource in addition to the ones that we that we mentioned. Busy day on the phone lines the way we like it, Dr. Jimmy. So next we're going to go to Dan, who's called in, I think, from Columbus. All right. Good morning, Dan. What's your question this morning? Uh, good morning. I have really two. The first one is my daughter's about uh, three three-plus months pregnant. And she's debating whether she'd get the COVID shot or not. And uh, just wondering what your thoughts are along that line. Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I have talked to some of my OBGYN friends, including the president of the National Association for OBGYN Professionals. So uh, Marty Tucker is his name. And we got a lot of info on uh, what's safe and what's not safe. And as I've said before, I don't know anybody else that errs on the side of safety for their patients in OBGYNs. If you think about the things that they advocate not taking during pregnancy and taking. Um, so, you know, thankfully we got all this data and it does support that 
getting the vaccine while you're pregnant will help protect you if you get COVID, and it may help you not get COVID, even with the Delta variant. So there's not an increased risk of miscarriage. There's not an increased risk of other side effects. It's actually very protective. If you develop COVID while you're pregnant, uh, particularly for the mom, it is a really high-risk situation. And unfortunately, we've seen some bad, bad complications of that um, in, in UMMC, uh, including some unfortunate deaths of the mother. So I would say based on my recommendation and based on the national um, um, ACOG uh, guidelines, and that's, the, again, that's the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, they are now recommending that for all women, if, even if you're pregnant or if you're thinking about getting pregnant, to help decrease your risk of complications from COVID. Okay, great. And my second question is, I was, I'm one of the very fortunate ones to take the vaccine but then catch COVID about two months later, and I, I guess oh. I'm just getting over it. Uh, when would I be able, When would you recommend to get the booster or get it at all? Uh, when you, yeah, so that's a great question. So, um, you know, as long as you're uh, at least about, I think it's 28 days after you got your last vaccine and you've recovered from those COVID symptoms, you still may be fatigued. You know, it just sort of depends on, on those symptoms, but definitely no fever, uh, not, you know, basically you're, you're getting back to normal. That's the time that you can get the, the vaccine. It has been shown, it has been shown to be beneficial after you've gotten COVID, just because it is boosting your immune system up even more um, so that you want at least have the complications of it. So, yeah, and, 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 you know, unfortunately, that's sort of, you know, there's still a risk of getting it. But what we've seen, at least I've seen in my own patients, is that, um, that you're, even if you, if you get vaccinated and you get COVID, it is much, much less uh, intense, much less side effects. Certainly, you're way less likely to be hospitalized and less likely to go to the ICU. So, um, yeah, I would check with your physician, but I, I think that's, that's going to be, you know, you're going to be fine as long as you, all those symptoms of the, of the infection are, are getting better. Okay, great. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for calling. Uh, Dr. Jimmy, next on the line, we've got Dennis in Starkville. Good morning, Dennis. How's it going this morning? Hi, thank you. What's your question this morning? Well, my graduate school advisor that I've known for a long, long time, about two weeks ago, I had a regular conversation with him, and everything seemed fine, and then he developed a very bad cough and got medication, and the medication immediately brought him into a state of complete loss of memory and extreme Alzheimer's, and he died last night, and I was wondering what the relationship between the medication and his conditions are. Huh. So do you know what medication that he was prescribed or given? No, I do not. The only other thing I can say is that a couple of years ago, he had developed a problem after having a, a shot of whiskey or something, and that caused his, his problems then, but not severely. And so he was told not ever to drink with his current medications because of the complications. 
Yeah. I, now there's always a there's always a chance that a an additional medication. It sounds like he may have had some other things brewing in the background. Usually, um, you know, an accelerated course of dementia um, that quick is usually associated with something that's been going on, or if it's an acute event like a stroke, um, that can cause that. So my, and this is not looking at any of his, you know, medical problems or anything. My best bet is that he had other things going on and maybe this medication had a side effect that sort of tipped him over the edge, but there are many different things that are prescribed for a cough. Uh, some of them are anti-tussis. Some of them help to break up mucus, um, there's just a lot of different things that uh, even Finergan, which is an anti-emetic, it's an anti-nausea medication sometimes is given. It's just impossible to know exactly what was going on. And sometimes, unfortunately, you don't. But you, on the front end, you want to be careful, you know, about giving medications that either interfere with a person's medications that they're taking or that don't have a, a potential side effect. And in, in elderly people, there's something called beers criteria. That's not like a beer that you drink. It's a little bit different. But basically, there's a list of medications that we know as you get older, even if you tolerated those medications when you were younger, you really should look at, at avoiding those as much as possible just because of side effects as our bodies age and they're less, um, they're less effective and have a lot more side effects. So, Well, he died last night. Yeah, yeah. And that's unfortunate, uh, but without knowing more, I really can't comment on what the process was or what, if you know, even if it was uh, something from the medication. It's also possible that there was something else going on that was causing the cough that put him in that position where he died. So, and again, this is, it's detective work, and without having all the evidence, it's really hard for me to comment one way or another what, what exactly was happening. Should a step of autopsy uh, be performed? So an autopsy, there's a couple of things that legally autopsies need to have to be, or at least the coroner in the state of Mississippi will have the option with doing them. One is if you die within 24 hours of being admitted to the hospital. One is if you die at home. And, of course, there's lots of other, you know, small things in there that you can do that. A family can request an autopsy in certain situations, um, but they're not automatically done uh, unless it's legally, you know, the coroner thinks that, that they need to do that. But one of the one of the things that they are useful is in a situation where you don't quite know what was going on. Now, the doctors taking care of him may have more information, and it may be clearer to them what was going on without an autopsy. Okay. Well, thank you. All right, thank you for calling. Let's go to Carrie from Pass Christian. Good morning, Carrie. Thank you for calling. What's your question this morning? Oh, good morning. Well, this might seem fairly trivial, but you did mention skin cancer and the UV rays. Um, my mother's 95, and um, she was sort of transplanted um, with the illness of my father um, from, Miss, from um, London, England, um, where she had lived for the last 50 years. <clears throat> and now is in the deep south, and um, she was always extremely conscious about skin cancer, and and even in England, which is pretty much dark all the time and rainy, um, she would be really careful and cautious to never touch the sun, never be in the the sunful face. Um, 
Now, she did have a little bout with skin cancer. It was a precancer, and it was just beautifully excised by a doctor in, in Mississippi. Um, but she's become a little bit, a little more lax. She spends all of her time outside. Um, she loves being outside. Um, and she's gotten very brown, which is so strange for her, but she's getting quite brown. Her hands are nut brown. And um, she is avoiding the sun, but there's no way you can avoid the sun sitting outside in Mississippi because the, the rays just, um, they just kind of like scatter and, and shatter even in, um, you know, when it's cloudy. Um, she will not, she's got extraordinarily sensitive and thin skin, and um, she will not want, want Dane to use um, sun, sunscreen. Um, could I convince her to do that? Should she absolutely throw on a layer of sunscreen? I don't think that she necessarily has to do that. I think if it, if it's not hot enough to where she can wear loose clothing uh, and, a, you know, a broad-brim hat. Now, her hands, that is another thing. And if they're not in – actually, even though it can be – you can feel the heat from a UV standpoint, if you're in the shade uh, without direct sunlight, that will protect it. But you well, may she's in the check. car a lot of the time, you know. In you know cars, you'll yeah, always get side sun and. Yeah, so uh, one thing that that I would mention: uh, sometimes the skin can look like it's getting tan, but there's other things going on that could make it look that way. So, you know, at the next time that she goes to the physician, you may want to say, "Hey, her skin is tanning, but she's not out in the sun a whole lot." Um, can, can she you is in the sun a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, but, uh, Sideways and maybe sun. even, maybe even she, she can, you know, she can do it, uh, you know, just on her hands. Um, but I mean, that certainly would help if that's the only area that's really getting that direct, um, that direct sunlight. But if you notice that she's, tan or looks like she's tanning in areas that don't ever see the sun and have clothes on them. That's a that's a sort of a something to go talk to her physician about because there's other things that could be going on that tint the skin inside that look that way. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yes, yeah, so no, this is purely on the the areas that are not covered. Um, and yeah. Okay, yeah. but you don't think I should try and edge sunscreen on the sides of her face or anything where she gets that sideways sun? She as long as it's as long as it's not in directly contact, like. You can get light, and actually, you, you can you can have some uh, you know heat damage to the skin that way. But if it's not uh, once you UV radiation is is direct line of sight to the sun, so if it comes in, it doesn't like it doesn't um, um, you know bounce off of things the way some of the other uh, wavelengths of light do. So. Um, she I see what you mean. There. Okay, it would have to be yeah. hit in a big slab of light on your face. But Correct. I think that does happen yeah. when I drive her around, though. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just sort of focus on the, um, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just apply a little bit of sunscreen here and there and make sure that she stays out of the direct sun. And there's okay, some, well, there's some wonderful moisturizing sunscreens, too. You might want to try that. You know, there's a lot oh, of... Oh, good, because she's getting wrinkled, and she was never wrinkled before. So we got to try those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart with you this morning answering your calls and questions about your health care needs. Kevin, we got anybody waiting? Yeah, Dr. Jimmy, we have got uh, Roger back on the line. Let's see if we can get him on the air. Okay. Good morning, Roger. Thank you for coming. Hi. How are you? Good. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I turned on the radio a little while ago, and I heard the end of that call from the person who I suppose was diagnosed with uh, Waldenstrom's macroglobulinemia, and I was treated for that. The treatment finished in March 2015, if I remember correctly. Uh, I just wanted to assure the fellow that this is one that they know how to deal with. Uh, the chemotherapy that I went through was was uh, less terrible than most chemotherapy usually is. Uh, six treatments. I lost no hair. Uh, I did end up with some neuropathy that went away after a while, and just reassure the fellow that this is one they know how to handle, okay? I appreciate that, and I know our previous caller does too, and thankfully, we've learned a lot more about uh, lymphomas and different types of uh, hematologic cancers and have a whole lot more in our arsenal that has less side effects and is very effective, so I appreciate that. Even if he's not able to find a group of people, that certainly good i know he'll uh so i i uh i got i was diagnosed here in oxford but then i got a second opinion at sloan kettering turns out one of the experts on this particular lymphoma is there and then she set me up with the west clinic in memphis i was treated by dr lee schwartzberg who unfortunately has just left for another job uh Mm -hmm. but as i say it it if you're going to have a lymphoma, this is the one to get. <laughs> uh, yeah, six no, months, you're right. I mean, once a does, month. It has, right. And maybe in the intervening seven years, it's even gotten easier. So uh, yeah. it was yeah. pretty advanced. I had waited a long time. It's a very slow-acting thing. Uh, and again, all the markers are in the blood, apparently. So mm-hmm. they just take a blood test, and they know what's going on, which is easy. So just reassuring him he'll be okay. Roger, thank you so much. I know that means a whole lot, probably more than anything I can say of hearing somebody who's been through it and successfully 
has been treated. And uh, I appreciate you commenting on that. I know that'll mean a lot to our caller. Dr. Jimmy, you're going to try to wrap up here with a couple more calls. Uh, this first one is okay. Ro- uh, Robert from Meridian. Good morning, Robert. What's your question this morning? All right. Good morning, Dr. Stewart. As quickly as I can say it, I'm currently benefiting from a, a machine called an oxygen concentrator, okay? Mm-hmm. What I have found is that on all of the machines in two hospitals and one nursing facility, there are five settings on the machine, one, two, three, four, and five, and in each case, the doctors have had it at level two. In one of the facilities, I had a breathing emergency, and I pulled the emergency cord. The nurses came running, and with two registered nurses standing by and a handful of CNAs, it wasn't until the EMTs got there with their great big tank and put a whole mask over me that I was able to breathe again. Would it have been appropriate, and just in case I have such an emergency again in my house, for me to advance the setting from level two to level three, four, or five? Um, it, it can be dangerous to do that if you're not monitored. And the reason is sometimes those higher, you certainly need a, an, an adequate amount of oxygen, but there are certain situations where it can be too high and it can actually damage your brain's ability or interfere with your brain's ability to control your breathing. So I'd be very careful with that. Um, there are different ways to deliver it, and certainly, you know, for the concentrator, that's that's an easy way to go home with home oxygen. I, I tell you what, I would ask your lung doctor about that that you're seeing, or whoever's prescribing it for you, to ask them if there's a way. I don't know if you're monitoring those levels at home through an oxygen saturation device, but there may they may be okay with you going up one setting. I probably wouldn't jump more than two settings, but I would check with them first to make sure that's okay. I understand. But in an absolute emergency, with while one is waiting for the emergency text to arrive in the ambulance and you're gasping, it would seem to me that, as you say, maybe going up at least a set. You know, if you were behind an 18-wheeler climbing a mountain road and you wanted to pass, as soon as you got into the oncoming lane, what would you do? You'd give it more gas. And if I'm suffering and I'm gasping, I can't, you know, in the nursing home when they sent me to the hospital, I was literally begging them, give me a shot, knock me out. I am, I'm panicked. And, And to have somebody tell me to calm down and to breathe in through my nose and slow down and all of this, I'm gasping. I can't, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And... Until the guys came with the the great big uh, torpedo-sized oxygen tank and put a whole mask over my face, you know, there was no relief. So, But I understand what you're saying, and I will follow your advice. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for calling. Dr. Jimmy, only got a minute left of the show, so I think we should leave off the calls there. All right. Well, if you didn't get a chance to get your call in, I do want to encourage you to send it by email, or you can call back next week. Uh, The email address, though, is remedy at mpbonline.org. We do read those, and we try to respond to those as quickly as possible. And as long as you give us permission, we do share those with our listening audience because they are great questions, whether you call in or whether you email that's one of the things that I love about this program is that's the best way to get that information out. Uh, and especially callers like Roger who are willing to share their experiences 
with a uh, scary illness uh, at the time that you don't know a whole lot about uh, with others who were going through that. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.